Hey there, misfits. This is Kate. And I'm Kale. Welcome to Horrorwood. Hello, we have a few shout outs before we get into this episode. Uh, Kale, do you want to take us away on that? Yes, I would love to. I would love to shout out my friend Carrie, who just joined Patreon. Thank you, Carrie. We love you. We do. And we and she also has really good questions after uh, she listens to the episodes and she'll either post them on Instagram or she'll ask me at school because she's a teacher friend. Mm-hmm. And so it's really great because it keeps the dialogue going. And then it also keeps like the episodes alive. Yes. So, we love the question. Thank you so much, Carrie, for your support. Thanks, Carrie. And if you're going over to Patreon, you could also follow my artist friend, Lauren Rapp. She makes amazing uh, art with like oils and acrylics. I yeah. Think. We actually, truth be told, we shouted her out on the last episode but then we ended up having to cut it so we just want to make sure that like we got her name out there and got her info out there uh so it's lauren rap r-a-p-p right Kim? yeah that's right awesome and while you're on patreon i mean you're just gonna be doing all kinds of things on patreon right. uh you can check out ours oh, patreon.com slash horrorwood podcast um and one more we just we're out. full of we're full of the shout outs this morning people should be recognized they should. In fact, these are all women shout outs, which I love. It's just like a women supporting women thing. Sheroes. I want to shout out uh, the podcast, I Swear on My Mother's Grave. It's Ooh. hosted by a woman named Dana Black. Um, she's amazing. Also has the sexiest podcast voice you will ever hear in your life. So if nothing else, just go listen to it for that. Amazing. Uh, but it's really cool because it's about people she always has a guest on and it's people who have lost their moms and oh wow because she too has lost her mom and they just have a conversation about lessons they've learned lost or the grief the- yes and it can sound off-putting at the start like oh I don't know if I want to hear about people talking about their moms who died but right it's very approachable it's it draws you in. And even Maybe if you like have healing process for, for sure, each person, I mean, yeah, not even just the guests, but right. like, yeah, for listeners. And even if you haven't lost a parent, it does make you think about what you would do now differently. Right. Um, in terms of your relationship with them. It's great. So I swear on my mother's grave. We want to support her, Dana Black. Uh, she is amazing, and women are amazing, and we're about to talk about another amazing woman. Oh, yes. It's going to start off rough, and then we're going to get into good stuff, and then it's going to get rough again. So just want to oh. give all that to you guys. Okay. Thanks for – Think. you know what? We always like a good um, forewarning. You've been warned. Around 2 o'clock a.m. on December 1st, 2021 – 81-year-old Jacqueline Avant, or Jackie as she was known by her friends and family, was murdered in her Beverly Hills home. 
Her death sent shockwaves throughout the entertainment industry, not only because she was a prominent philanthropist and champion of the arts, but also because she happened to be married to Clarence Avant, who was known as the godfather of black music. He is a legendary music producer who's worked with such stars as Jimmy Smith, Babyface, and Bill Withers, just to name a few. Those are huge names. Yes. Thankfully, the asshole who killed Jackie is a fucking dumbass, so he does get caught. caught. Oh, pretty quickly. Good. But we'll get to him later. I want to start by talking about Jackie. Jacqueline Alberta Gray was born on March 6, 1940 in Jamaica, Queens, New York. In her 20s, did you ever go, where is Jamaica, Queens? Because I, is that different from just Queens, New York? No, you know? no, it, no, it's not. It's it's also a stop on, on one of the subways. Um, and you can get to the Long Island Railroad from there. Um, it's, so Jamaica, it's, just, it's a neighborhood in Queens. Oh, okay. It's, okay. It's, yeah. Gotcha. I don't know New York. And so that's why I have to defer to you. Uh, In Jackie's 20s, she began working in a hospital as a phlebotomist in New York City. When I read that, I was like, what the fuck is a phlebotomist? It's a person. It works with blood. Yeah. They're the person that draws your blood and prepares the sample for testing. So like pretty fucking important. Uh, Yeah. And yes. Wow. She was also a model. So not only was she super intelligent, but also beautiful inside and out. As what we'll a see. wild stretch of careers. She like from phlebotomy to modeling. I mean, she she was in she was every that's woman. A, she was that's amazing. a Jackie of all trades. Oh, I like that. <laughs> she modeled for the Ebony Fashion Fair on the magazine. No, it wasn't for a magazine. Um, It was a fashion show and fundraising event held every year. It was created by Eunice Johnson of the Johnson Publishing Company in Chicago. Hmm. Eunice Johnson was also one of the first entrepreneurs to market cosmetics made particularly for black women. Oh, that's great. This episode is all about powerful women doing extraordinary things. I'm all here. I'm here for it. Yes. The Ebony Fashion Fair traveled to cities all over the country with a focus on black neighborhoods. It featured mostly black models wearing clothing by by designers such as Yves Saint Laurent, Mm -hmm. Givenchy, Jean-Paul Gaultier. The Ooh, ebony. Your your French is sounding really good today. I'm, I'm really trying. You're I'm on trying. It. <laughs> it, it's so fancy. I like trying to sound like I'm fancy. We. Oui. <laughs> the ebony fashion fair was a huge deal because it was really the first time that black people saw themselves on a runway. Mm-hmm. And also keep in mind. It was the 1960s, and America was not a great country when it came to race. Still Still questionable. Yeah. (laughs) So these Black models going into these Black communities and wearing designer clothing to say, hey, we're here, we're strong, we're beautiful, they were trailblazers. Amazing. It was around this time in Jackie's life that she met Clarence Avant. He was an up-and-coming talent manager at the time with a client list that included Cicely Tyson and R&B star Jimmy Smith. Quick question. Are they still in New York at the time? This is still in New York, yes. Okay. Uh, In the 2019 Netflix documentary, The Black Godfather, which is about the life and career of Clarence, which, by the way, 
Go watch that on Netflix. Netflix? Yes. As soon as you finish this episode, go watch that. It is, it's so good. It focuses mostly on Clarence, but you do get to see Jackie in it and do get to hear her talk a little bit. But it's just fascinating to know how connected they were to everyone. So everyone go watch The Black Godfather. Uh, In that documentary, music and cultural historian Nelson George said, the Ebony Fashion Fair models were like the first models that Black people really saw on the runway. So for a Black guy in 1960-something, a Fashion Fair model was like a big deal. And Clarence had his sights set on Jackie. Yeah, he did. Yes. (laughs) To woo her, he would pick her up in a limousine And take her to the hottest music venues in Manhattan, like the Apollo Theater and Birdland Jazz Club, which are both incredibly historic. Right. And it seems like a big deal for that time frame. I mean, that would be a a big deal now. now, But yeah, I mean, she said that he always sent a car for her and she was just kind of like, who is this guy? Like, what is this? Aw, he was swooning her. I love that. Clarence did not come to play games. He set his <laughs> eyes on Jackie and was like, I'm going to pull out all the stops. I got to put my best foot forward. Hell yeah, go Clarence. And it worked. The mm-hmm. two were married in 1967. The following year, the couple gave birth to their first child, a daughter named Nicole, and they relocated from New York to Los Angeles. Again, it was the 60s and neighborhoods were highly segregated. I mean, right. They still are today in a lot of places. Housing discrimination and redlining caused a stark divide between predominantly white neighborhoods like Beverly Hills and predominantly black neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Jackie and Clarence couldn't afford to live in Beverly Hills, so they planned to live in Baldwin Hills, which is a predominantly black upper middle class neighborhood. Ray Charles lived there. So did Ike and Tina Turner, jazz singer Nancy Wilson. A lot of prominent black people in the entertainment industry. Just a quick question, Be- only because you have like Los Angeles knowledge. I have New York knowledge. In New York, there are a lot of neighborhoods that have been gentrified, that have changed over the years. So I'm just curious about this particular one and if you know anything of it. I will say LA has changed a lot over the years. There are still those uh, that are predominantly white and and mm. those that are predominantly black. Um Obviously, you do see more integration now, but at the time, it was unheard of for a black family to move into Beverly Hills. Right. Uh, Baldwin Hills was coined the Black Beverly Hills. However, Clarence's mentor and boss at the time, Joe Glazer, who managed the careers of such artists as, oh, I don't know, Louis Armstrong, Billie Holiday... He lived in Beverly Hills. He was a white man. And he was like, hey, Clarence and Jackie, if you really want to live in Beverly Hills, I can loan you the money to get a place. So he did. And Jackie and Clarence moved into the neighborhood. That's awesome. Just a few years later, in 1971, they gave birth to their second child, a son named Alex. And during this time, Clarence was busy with his newly formed record label, Sussex Records. And had just signed a guy who'd recently been laid off from his manufacturing manufacturing job at Weber Aircraft. The guy was aspiring musician Bill Withers, uh, who would become a 
legend in the Rest music industry. Powerful piece, Bill Withers. Yes. I gosh, Lean I on me, voice. Ain't No Sunshine. I mean, everyone has Lovely heard day, his songs. Everyone. Uh, yeah. So big, and they've been big on commercials. Deal. I mean, at now still to this day. Oh, for sure. So Clarence has his thing going on. He became a titan in the industry and was eventually inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But Jackie was not the kind of woman to just sit around while her husband did all the work. No, no, no. I wouldn't think so. (laughs) No. Those close to the couple say it was Jackie who was the guiding force. Oh, hell yes. Magic Johnson, who was a close friend of Jackie's, said, quote, She was just an amazing woman who was a quiet giant. She wasn't (sighs) behind Clarence. She was right beside him. It's like the Chicago quote. Um, from the Art Scholl episode. I thought about you when I was up. Oh, this. I, I was like, oh, she's immediately going to assist yep. Judy Scholl. <laughs> As I mentioned in the beginning, Jackie was a huge philanthropist and supporter of the arts. There's a great story her daughter, Nicole, told to People Magazine where she talks about growing up and how her mom would pick her up from school and they'd start driving, but it was clear they weren't driving home. So Nicole thought maybe her mom was taking her to the park or to go play with friends because, like, that's what you think of when you're a kid. So quick question. They have Alex and Nicole. So they Mm -hmm. have two kids or Mm -hmm. they have more than two? Just the two. Okay. Uh, But then it became clear that that's not what they were doing. Like, they'd passed all the parks. They'd passed the ice cream shops. And Nicole would be like, okay, where are we going? What are we doing? (laughs) Right. And Jackie would turn to her and say... We are sharing our blessings. And they would drive to South Central L.A., which is a notably low-income area, Mm -hmm. and help out in any way they could, whether it was donating books, donating their time, whatever was needed. So this is giving you an idea of the kind of woman Jackie was. And I'll link that entire People Magazine article because it's really good. In 1974, Jackie was chairwoman of the National Organization for Women's Entertainment Division. In 1975, she served as president of the Neighbors of Watts, which is a nonprofit that supports child care centers in South Central L.A. Oh, wow. So like underserved communities. She went on to serve on the board of directors of the International Student Center at UCLA, along with two terms as board presidents of the Museum of African-American Art of Los Angeles. Her resume is kick-ass. Girl, it keeps going. In 1984, she served on the cultural committee for the Summer Olympics in L.A. What? But wait, there's more. Uh, Yeah. More recently, she volunteered as a docent in the Pavilion for Japanese Art at the L.A. County Museum of Art, or LACMA, as most people refer to it. And she was very active in the Japanese community in Los Angeles. She owned one of the largest collections of Japanese lacquered boxes and other artifacts. It was a passion of hers. And I had to look into it a little bit more thoroughly because I was like, okay, a lacquered box. Like, I don't get it. Is it like the Kinsakura? I don't know what that is. Well, when you fill something that's broken with gold. Oh, I. you know what? I do know what you're talking about now. I think this is a little different. Okay. Um, I could be wrong, but I think this is a little different. Lacquer is considered a very exquisite and painstaking art form in Japan. And this was something she learned a lot about. She would donate her collection to museums and help educate others about the art form. 
people said Clarence had his music. Jackie had her she art. Had her, oh. Like this was something that was just hers that she loved. So I wanted to make sure I put it in here. And also you, I mean, so she was murdered in 2021. So she, I'm guessing she was part of all of these organizations and all the philanthropic the philanthropy work all through that time. I'm- oh, for, yeah, throughout her life. Yeah. Okay. She was also on the board of the Wallace Annenberg Center for the Performing Arts, a project both she and Clarence had championed from the beginning before the organization even had a performing arts space. She and Clarence donated a lot of money and were very involved in getting the space built. She was passionate about arts education and sat on the education committee of the Annenberg Center. Well, you know, the minute you you say that word, my heart just flows. Yeah, you do. You are all about the education. (laughs) On her 80th birthday in March of 2020, Jackie asked that instead of gifts, people donate to the Annenberg Center for the Performing Arts. That's incredible. Just an all-around bad bitch. In addition to her work in the arts, Jackie was also an advocate for the Democratic Party. President Jimmy Carter would often send African heads of state to her house during visits to L.A. She's probably good at entertaining, too. She was good at everything. I mean, let's be real here. Yeah. And she also organized fundraisers for political leaders like Barack Obama and Maxine Waters. She is said to be the guiding force who helped her husband unite prominent figures in sports, entertainment, and politics, often to benefit those less fortunate. That's outstanding. Amazing. For example, organizing fundraisers Mm -hmm. for community groups and schools, things like that. Political consultant and family friend Kerman Maddox said, quote, They were the quintessential team and clearly the most powerful African-American married couple in Southern California, if not the entire West Coast. Wow. Those are some serious accolades. Well-deserved. Yeah. They knew everyone. And if you watch that documentary, you will just see how they are the thread throughout all of Hollywood. It's wild. In the late 60s and early 70s, the Avons spent $26,000 to help elect Tom Bradley as L.A.'s first black mayor. For the time, that was a huge amount of money. It's the equivalent of about 200 grand today. They helped Tom Bradley defeat the racist Sam Yorty, and Bradley became not only the first black mayor of L.A., but also the longest serving. He served 20 years. I was going to ask how long was that run? Nice. 20 yeah. years. A lot changes in like a year. So exactly. 20 years. He's he served five terms. Him. Yeah. Wow. That's five. A, yeah. That's a, a long ass time. Yeah. He would be the only black mayor in LA until last month when Karen Bass was sworn in, becoming the first female mayor of Los Angeles. Now, did he retire or? or- uh, I do. But yeah, I think he retired. Just curious. So Jackie and her husband were a very influential couple. Magic Johnson said, quote, in black America, they are like royalty in a sense because of what they have been able to do to help other people achieve their goals and dreams. Their daughter, Nicole, remembers growing up in a house where Jimmy Carter, Tom Bradley, Frank Sinatra, Harry yeah. Belafonte, to name a few, all Just, these amazing people were all frequent guests. Right. Like today, they'd be like telling your kid, hey, can you set the table today? Because Michelle Obama and Harry Styles are coming over for dinner. Like, can you like get them a plate? Like that's that's what life was like for them. 
And and it was just natural. It just yeah. flowed. Wild. Hmm. By all accounts, Jackie really was the thread that connected all these people together. A friend of the family said the couple effortlessly traveled between artists and kings, and Jackie was the queen of the people. Mm. Everyone felt comfortable around her. I know. I love that. They said everyone felt comfortable around her. Everyone wanted to talk to her. She was always the person in the room who people would listen to. But tragically... All of that would come to an end on December 1st, 2021. Which was not that long ago. No, this is pretty recent. In the early hours of the morning, sometime around 2 o'clock a.m., 29-year-old Ariel Maynard used what police believed to be a rock to break a sliding glass door at Jackie's home. Is that a female, a male? Just curious. Male. Male. Okay. Before breaking into the Avons, Maynard had two prior convictions for robbery and causing great bodily injury, but was out on parole. That night, he showed up to the residence. It's unclear how he how he got onto the property, mm-hmm. unless he followed the couple home, maybe, and, and like slipped in or something. Maybe I couldn't find mm-hmm. anywhere. After breaking the sliding glass door, he. Apparently had planned to rob the home, but I guess he encountered Jackie before he was able to get Uh. anything. Clarence later said he did hear a fight occur before the shooting, but we don't know what the fight was about or who it was between. Clarence was not in the room when this occurred. Within minutes of breaking into the home, Maynard shot at Jackie three Uh. times with an AR-15 rifle Mm. hitting her in the back. Mm -mm. He then ran out to get in his car, which was a Lexus, but stumbled a little bit and dropped a red glove. So that was dumbass move number one. (laughs) Right. I don't know if he arrived in the Lexus or if he stole it from the Avon's driveway. Mm. The report I read said he got in his Lexus, which makes me think he arrived in it. Right. I don't know. And it was a solo act, so it wasn't somebody else driving. Yeah, yeah. He was alone. Okay. Hmm. As he was leaving, he turned back and fired five more shots in the direction of the Avon's security guard, but did not oh. hit him. Oh, my God. One of the shocking elements of this case is that this was a highly secured neighborhood. Mm-hmm. All of the houses are set pretty far back off the street, and there's, like, very dense vegetation, so you kind of can't even really see the house from the street. And there are long driveways to get up to the house. So do we think there was some sloppiness of, like, somebody allowing that car to come in? Or do you think somehow it just slipped by? It was a Lexus, so maybe they thought it was, like, a guest or... See, I don't know if it was a gated community. I'm kind of thinking it wasn't. I mean, it was a very upscale community. Right. And they had a maybe private no, security no guard. Protection. Right. For their house only. I mean, for the, for their area, right? It was, it was their no, hired. it was their own private security okay. guard, the Avons. Mm. So I, it's just like, how did he get on the property? Right. And right. I, I just, I don't know. And I couldn't find anything about it. Um, I don't know if they were coming home late from an event because, I mean, it was like two o'clock in the morning. So I don't know if they'd just been at an event and were coming home and this person followed them. Mm. Or, I mean, that seems kind of most likely, in my opinion. The, the scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I don't know for sure. 
Beverly Hills police received a call just before 2.30 a.m. about a shooting at the Avon's home in, uh, you know what, I wrote this down, but I think it's a typo. So I'm just going to, because I was going to list the area, but I can already see a lot of misspelled words. So clearly I don't think that that's the correct address. You know what? Anyways. That's that's serious honesty. So uh, anyway, the police uh, arrived and this will break you. They found Clarence on the floor, cradling Jackie in oh, his arms. Well, I just, I, I'm assuming she had already gone, but. Well, when paramedics arrived, they detected a pulse and transported really? Jackie to Cedar sinai but sadly she did not make it. Oh, that is devastating. I just, I want to like be behind him, cradling him. And if you watch the documentary, because then it really puts a face and a voice to these names. Was the documentary before? Yes. The documentary was 2019 and this happened in 2021. So you get to see them as a family. You get to, you know, and watching that, you just, uh, it really brings it um, into reality for Mm -hmm. you as a viewer, I should say. Right. Ariel Maynor was not done with his crime spree, though. What? After fleeing the Avons, he headed to Hollywood, where he attempted to rob a home in the 6,000 block of Gracioso Drive. Again, this is another typo, but I'm pretty sure it was Gracioso Drive. Right now it says Gracious on my computer, but (laughs) there were a lot of typos here, folks. Sorry about it. But as he was trying to grab valuables from the home, he accidentally shot himself in the foot. So that's dumbass move number two. There's one more coming up that we'll get to. Are you He's already left a glove. He shot himself in the foot. Yep. You know what? Karma, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he got caught pretty quickly. LAPD responded to a call of a break-in, and when they arrived, they found Maynor in the backyard of the home with a gunshot wound to his foot. Police were pretty quick to realize this was not Maynor's own residence and that he had been attempting to rob the right. place. Plus, he had an AR-15 rifle on him. So he was immediately arrested and taken to a hospital. Someone who is only referred to as, quote, an astute watch commander. So I don't have a name for this person. Interesting. uh, In Hollywood, was able to connect the dots between the Hollywood break-in and the Avant shooting. For one, Uh, the rifle was the same used in both incidents. Plus, police were able to link the glove back to Maynor. And there was a ton of surveillance footage showing oh. him driving from the Avon's home in Beverly Hills toward Hollywood. Jesus. Not to mention security footage from one of Clarence and Jackie's neighbors clearly showing Maynor approaching the house and then leaving a few minutes later and firing those additional shots oh toward God. the security guard. He pled not guilty. What? Like, by really, like dude? Insanity or just not guilty because he... You were on multiple yeah. cameras, sir. While he was in jail, so this is still in December, so he hadn't been sentenced yet. Maynor makes dumbass move number three. And you're probably like, what? He's already been arrested. How could he make more dumbass moves? Well, he placed a call to a female friend of his, which he is allowed to do that. He can have a phone Right, call. but isn't it like... um recorded yeah but he didn't know that oh god what did he say he fucking bragged and laughed about the murder he was laughing about killing a woman and all the publicity that surrounded it like he got a kick out of the fact that he was all over the news factor that is disgust 
Yeah. Just, oh, this person you know. is a monster. And his friend says, that's not funny. That's somebody's life. And Maynor told her that he thought he was going to be able to rob them of about $50,000. But when the burglary failed at the Avon house, he went on to a home in Hollywood Hills to attempt another one. Had he already scoped out who he wanted to rob from? And did he know this particular family? Like, See, exactly that's a great question. And that's unclear because when reports first came out, they couldn't, they weren't sure if it was linked to anything or if he targeted mm-hmm. them or if it was random. And I'm not sure they still have been able to determine mm-hmm. that. Um, this was also around a time when a lot of break-ins were occurring in celebrity In that homes. area. Okay. And we were hearing about it on the news a lot more. There was a huge rise in Beverly Hills and things like that. He didn't commit those. Mm -hmm. I mean, he did some others, but not those particular ones. But there was a rise in in that kind of crime in the area. So it's possible maybe he did see them leaving an event or something and followed them to this neighborhood, which if he got to the neighborhood, he would know that they were affluent. Right. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they've determined whether they were targeted or random. I I don't think he knew who right. it was. That's, I mean, I would think that that's where my mindset would go if he were just following somebody mm-hmm. wanting to like take items. Was probably he, like, oh, they but, have money. But, and maybe thinking when, with that phone call, maybe he was thinking too, yeah, I assume there was probably about 50K in there of things I could steal. Right, right. Update. So after Kayla and I finished recording this episode, I did a little more digging and I found a more concrete answer to her question. So this is from the New York Times. Uh, The Beverly Hills police did find that just one day before the shooting, Ariel Maynor did use his phone to research Clarence Avant and where they lived and how to use an AR-15 rifle. So he did know who they were and he did target them. And I just want to make sure I put that in here. Uh, and now we'll jump back into the episode. So he's just telling his he friend. Because he sounds like such a dumbass. I, I can't is. imagine he actually planned all this out. Yeah. Oh, Because he, if he had. You can tell he didn't plan much of shit because right. so it's so messy. So he's telling his friend on the phone. He's like, yeah, I'm all over the news. And he goes, oh, you think my mama's seen that though? <laughs> Um, yes, yes, sir, I do think your mama saw it. And I think it broke her heart, you mm-hmm. fucking asshole. Yeah. Not to mention, Jackie was someone's mom and you took her right. away from them. Also, as we said before, do you really not know that all those calls are recorded? You fucking idiot. So that was dumbass move number three. Yeah. Maynor did later change his plea to guilty. I which it's like it's pretty well, clear. Yeah. Which was a relief to Jackie's family because it meant they didn't have to endure a long and painful trial. Right. Just before Christmas of 2020, sorry, 2021, Maynor called another friend saying that he expected From to jail? serve Yes. Saying that he expected to serve maybe 20, 25 years tops. He was so like he hadn't been sentenced yet. Correct. Okay. He was like, yeah, the district attorney won't give me the death penalty or life without parole. I'm going to get out of jail in probably like 20, 25 years. You feel me? This is what he says to his friend. And he was right about part of that. 
District Attorney George Gascon does not seek life without parole in his cases. Mm. And did he know that or was this guy assigned to him? I well, I think the guy this this was the district attorney, so this is the right. prosecutor. Okay. Um but Maynor has the two prior convictions. So attorney Gascon sought a uh. hundred and fifty years to life for the murder with a three strikes enhancement plus a consecutive 43-year term for other crimes. Oh, good. Ariel Maynor was sentenced in April of 2022 to a minimum of 150 years oh, in prison yeah. plus another 40 years for other crimes without the eligibility of, of parole. parole. Yes. He will spend the rest of his life in prison. And rightfully fucking so. Bye. <laughs> And do you want to hear something else that's just going to make you be like, oh, my fucking God. Absolutely. On Maynor's Facebook page oh, Jesus. is a Bible verse. It's Proverbs sixteen twelve that reads, quote, it is an abomination for a king to commit wickedness because the throne is built on righteousness. It's like. Who exactly are you preaching that to? Because you certainly don't live by that standard. No. Was this when? Do you know when it was posted? I don't. Oh, okay. I also read, and this is something that I just could not shake because it, I don't know, for whatever reason, this hit me in a way. Ariel Maynor grew up in the foster system. <sighs> Jackie had devoted much of her life to helping like kids in the foster system. Mm -hmm. Like she is someone who would have helped you. Right. I mean, it, there's a chance she did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. there is a chance that her path crossed with him before wow. it. I don't know why, but I just couldn't get over that fact. Jackie leaves behind a legacy, not only in her charity work, but also in her kids. Oh. Both Alex and Nicole are very successful. Alex is an actor and producer, as well as an executive at CAA Talent Agency. And Nicole served as the youngest United States ambassador to the Commonwealth of the Bahamas during President Obama's administration. Wow. She also produced the documentary I mentioned earlier, The Black Godfather, about her dad. Oh, she did. Oh, she did. wow. That's, that is uh, amazing. It's, you know what, why it's so amazing is I always think of like the song Unforgettable mm. and, you know, the father-daughter dynamic mm -hmm. there and, and constantly think about how you can represent or do like tributes to your own kin, right? Sure. And what a beautiful way to do it when you know the when her mom was still around yes that you know what I was thinking about that is I'm glad that they're all in it unfortunately there's not a documentary solely about Jackie's life in the same way that there is about maybe parents, there will be but not while she's alive right I thinking, right I see what you mean it's wonderful for Clarence because a yes. lot of times you know we bestow these accolades on people after they've already passed right and you know Clarence luckily is able to experience it all while he's still alive uh, but Jackie is definitely a huge part of his legacy I don't think there would be his success without her you know I wish that Nicole or Alex would go on the 
podcast that you mentioned earlier, I swear on my mother's grave, I would mm. love to hear kind of Oh, hey, let's let's plug that. Hey, Nicole and Alex Avant, if you have any desire to talk about this story further, um, may we suggest Dana Black's podcast or ours. We'll interview you too. But I don't, I, I mean, they, they've definitely given plenty of interviews. And sure. Uh, Nicole said, quote, while my father was in it making all the deals, my mother was the one who gave me my love of literature, my love of filmmaking, mm. my love of storytelling. Oh. Reginald Hudlin, he uh, directed that Netflix documentary. Mm -hmm. He said, Jackie was the epitome of grace, elegance, kindness, and good taste. Like so many people in Hollywood, I owe so much to the mentorship and generosity of Clarence and Jackie. It's 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 interesting because I haven't ever seen a picture of her and maybe I have and I just don't know it, mm -hmm. but I have this image in my brain and it's more about the adjectives you that were used to describe her. Like I can I feel that aura, that sense of like person that she was. Oprah Winfrey called her the softness around the edges, oh, which I just loved that. I love that. Upon hearing the news Jackie had been killed, Oprah Winfrey said, I've spent the day numbed and in shock. I can only imagine how the Avant family feels. Jacqueline Avant was the classiest, kindest, and most calming presence. The fact that this has happened, her being shot and killed in her own home, mm -hmm. after giving, sharing, and caring for 81 years, has shaken the laws of the universe. Mm -hmm. The world is upside down and deeply in need of some love today. Oh, it's a beautiful tribute, too. And... You know what? I'd say the world is in need of love every, every day. day. Every we are, day. We are not a, a great people out there, folks. Um, truly, like we could all use a little more kindness, a little more compassion. And yeah, we need to show that to others in whatever small way we can. And if you have ideas, let us know. We'll post them. Yeah, you can... Uh, Follow us on social media at Horrorwood Podcast. Or you could also email us at, at horrorwoodpodcast at gmail.com. And like we said earlier, we would love for you to support us using our Patreon account. If you if you have the means and you're feeling so inclined, uh, you can pop on over there. It's patreon.com slash horrorwoodpodcast. And uh appreciate the love we all need a little love we love all of you and we love you all for listening and uh stay safe out there bye misfits bye